the Lead Lap Show. Your home for Southeast Motorsports coverage. Here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lead Lap Show. I am Tom Baker, and joining me on the program here this week is a young driver who is a student, actually, at uh, UNC Charlotte, and he is in the uh, mechanical engineering program. He's a freshman this year. His name is Tyke Durst. Tyke was born and raised in Memphis, and uh, his parents relocated here uh, when he was uh, a younger tyke and uh, for work, but uh, he got interested in racing and is now um, has worked his way into the US F4 series. And we're going to talk about his story because it's really kind of a fun story. And uh, tyke is a really, really, um, I think, a fun young guy who's uh, a, a perhaps a rising star here. And we just want to let you get to know him. So, uh, first of all, tyke, welcome to the program. It's good to have you here. Yes. I think I watched Top Gun too much when I was a kid. I think that's what started it. <laughs> is that really wicked? That, that's not what got you interested in racing. Well, Need for Speed maybe, but uh, <laughs> I, I watched Top Gun when I was like three in the back of my car or in my parents' car, and they didn't realize the, <laughs> the language in it, uh, so it got turned off pretty fast. But I really, really liked Top Gun when I was a kid. So I could tell a funny story about that same sort of situation, <laughs> but uh, WSIC wouldn't have me on the air anymore, so we won't do that. Um, but uh, okay, so you, as as I talked about, you were born and raised in Memphis, yes, sir, and then moved to Raleigh with your family. Your dad got a job there, oh, yeah. and uh, talk a little bit about what did get you interested in racing. You were only like ten when you moved yeah. here, right? Uh, so. My brother was really interested in, like, fringe sports. And at the time, it was, like, 2017, 2018, uh, Drive to Survive had just came out. And he was loving that show. And I caught snippets of it. And then he started watching Formula One, was kind of interested in it. And it was about the time that I was getting my license. Okay. And originally, we were looking for a Jeep. Like, not not a race car at all. <laughs> uh for you to drive. You for mean. me to drive, for my okay, first car. I got you. And we couldn't find one that we wanted in our price range. Oh, and okay. so we were driving home one day, and my dad was talking about, okay, maybe we need to look for a different car. And for some reason, the first thing that popped into my mind was M3. So my first car was a BMW E46 <laughs> M3, uh, which very quickly got me into cars, and then... I realized that they are not easy to drive uh, anywhere near fast. So I got a simulator, and I was really big into the simulator, and that's kind of where I learned to drive. So you basically learned to drive on iRacing is what you're saying. I didn't actually start using iRacing until like a year ago. I used Assetto Corsa a lot, and I would like always go and drift around and drive cars up mountains. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So you weren't even doing actual racing stuff. No. I was just open lapping, basically. Really? Yes. So, but how did you get from that to F4? Well, yeah. So, obviously, I really love to drive, and it was about the time of COVID, and I was kind of struggling with school. And so driving was, like, my escape uh, on the simulator and in person. Um, and I wanted to figure out how to do it more because I loved it. And at the end of the school year, I asked my parents uh, for a birthday gift, and I had been doing a lot of research on racing, and I was still really big into Formula 1 watching it. Um because my brother got me into that. And so I asked my parents for a birthday gift, 
uh, for the Skip Barber Racing School. Okay. And I went up to Lime Rock Park, and, and that summer I did three racing schools. I did three-day Mustang class. I did the two-day Mustang class, and then I did the three-day formula school. And from there, uh, big, long talk with my parents about what we wanted to do in this, and they decided that maybe we should take a crack at it. And I also knew that having the skill set that I had, I wouldn't be very accepting of myself like later in life if I knew I didn't do it. So that's kind of why I wanted to do it. So you went from Skip Barber Racing School yes. directly to F4. Kind of, yes. <laughs> well, we had a winter uh, with my new team, uh, Ganella Racing. They're an absolutely amazing organization uh, in the Academy Winter Series, and we did some tests before this year in F4. Explain to those who don't know in our audience, what is the Academy Winter Series? Is that still in an F4? Uh, it is in the same car. It's an Allegier, uh JSF4 car. Okay. Um, but we use – it's ran by different people. Uh, it's ran by Gustavo Yakimin. Okay. And a lot of the roads to Indy folk. And then you also have uh, – so you have different tires as well. You have Cooper tires. And the main point of the Academy Series is to prepare drivers for whatever they're about to go into. You know, IndyCar drivers could, in theory, come and do the Academy to prepare for the, uh, the IndyCar season. So I will throw in that those of you who have been listening to this show a while, if you remember – any of the VRD drivers that we've had on, from Sam Corey to Hunter Yaney to Nico Christodoulou um, to Jason Alder, talking about Jimmy Johnson um, coming and basically training with them before he started an IndyCar, it's the same series he yeah. used, yes? Yeah. So yeah. you run around in Florida a lot, uh, mainly Sebring and Homestead, and you do basically two, you get a few tests, so you'll do t a big group test with Road to Indies there, too, uh, at Sebring and then at Homestead. And then we get to do a race at both Sebring and Homestead. You get, like, basically a little race weekend. So wow. It's a good prep. Okay. So that was your first real experience in, you know, because Skip Barber, is it's a great school, yeah. but it, but it's it's a school. It's a school, and, it, like, they're, it's very limiting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it it serves a specific purpose of training. The yeah. the winter series that you refer to is basically a winter series of racing. Um it just doesn't, you know, it's it's kind of like the Legends cars here do the winter heat series at Charlotte. It is still a series, it's still racing, oh, yeah. but it pales in comparison to what the summer shootout is. Yeah. This winter heat series is kind of spring training in baseball. Oh, so yeah. to speak, right? Um, so how did you do in that? Um, well, my first time ever in a race was at this Academy Winter Series. Right. Um, Sebring was an absolute crapshoot. Uh, we did not do well at all. I think the only time I got into the top ten was because of crash cars. Uh, my teammates, uh, Carl Bennett, uh, he's called Tank. Uh, <laughs> me and him were always at the back, and we were just watching the racing going on ahead of us. Uh, so it was just like, it would start, you'd go into turn one, you'd maybe see a few cars for a few laps, and then everybody was gone. So An open-wheel driver nicknamed Tank. 
Yes. Yeah, sort of like a NASCAR driver named Tiny. Yeah, I don't Tiny know. Tiny Lund. <laughs> um, and if you knew, if you know the story of Tiny Lund, it was an ironic nickname because Tiny was not Tiny. He was a very big guy. Um, and uh, but uh, that's that's uh, that's how nicknames are made. Sometimes yeah. it's, it's sort of the opposite, right? Um, so you obviously improved. Oh yeah. Um, we went to Homestead, and Homestead is where my team, Ganella Racing, does all of like our testing. Okay. So I was a lot more familiar with that track than Sebring. Okay. Uh, Sebring being your first track for a race probably isn't the smartest thing. There are a lot of walls, a lot of bumps, uh, a lot of scary corners. For those who don't know, I've mentioned Sebring on this show before. It is basically a track at an old airport. Yes. It is like concrete tile everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's it's a very different kind of track than what most tracks are. Yeah. So I can see where going to Homestead then yes. would have made a difference for you. But even at Sebring, you 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 talked about only getting to the top ten without the crash cars. I would assume everybody in those crash cars had more experience than you. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, so it's about finishing first, so you can yeah. learn, right? It was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, my teammate had quite a lot of fun with Noah Ping, who also drives for VRD. Yes. Uh, Noah Ping kind of took him and Elliot Cox out in one of the races, and it was pretty funny going into turn seven and just seeing cars going everywhere because Noah Ping went into the back, and it was it was quite a fun time. I was excited until I realized it was my teammate, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, you realize after time that crashes are not fun or exciting because they cost money. Yes. Um, and so uh, never a good thing. But uh, Elliot, another young driver who uh, hopefully will be on one of these shows soon um, and, you know, has a, a great cause himself, which you also have a cause that you're racing for. And we'll, yes, sir. we'll get to that here in a moment. But so you, you how did you do overall in this winter series? What kind of progress did you make? Well, Homestead was where a lot of the progress was made. In Sebring, there were only, like, 12 cars. Uh, in Homestead, there were 17. So it was an actual, like, field. Uh, in Homestead, in the first race, uh, we got from P... It was, like, P15 to P12. So that was pretty good. And then in race two, I did really well. I was in the mix the whole time. I was kind of passing cars. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. That was, like, the first race that I actually felt like a race car driver. How do you kind of pass a car? Well, <laughs> yeah. well, you pass them or you don't. Okay, I was passing cars. There they, you they, go. It was See, a struggle to pass how... the cars. <laughs> it's not a gray area. Either you are ahead or you aren't. Yeah. Um, so, you, well, the, in two races. Yeah. With no prior racing experience. Well, the three races at Sebring were before that. But, yeah, yes. but, I mean, you came into this whole thing with no prior racing experience. Yes, sir. Quick learner. I tried my best. So, um, was the team happy? Um, the team was happy at Homestead. Sebring, not so much. <laughs> also, we got chewed out because at Homestead we did not qualify well. Oh. So, there was, we kind of always get chewed out for qualifying. We don't, we don't tend to qualify well. Uh, but it's always really funny because uh, we do way better in the races than we do in But qualifying. qualifying is an art form all in its own. Yes, and it's something I've been working on. So. Yeah, it's not – there's a difference. I think qualifying, it's just a whole different mentality oh, yeah. than a race. And I think it's harder to learn yes. to qualify well in your form of racing than it <laughs> yes. is to race. A little different. And even in the style of qualifying that they do on an oval track where you go out and you get your, you know, they yeah. take the best two laps. You're out there by yourself. There's no rabbit to chase. <laughs> 20 and minutes and go. There's a qualifying line and a racing line. And yep. a lot of drivers don't ever make that 
mental adjustment in their head. So um, sounds like you um, improved a pretty fair amount. We're going to talk more about uh, the beginnings of Tyke Durst's career when we come back on Lead Lap. So stay with us. Hey guys, this is Nathan Bird, a.k.a. Birdman, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Welcome back to Lead Lap. As we continue with this week's show, Tyke Durst is our guest. Tyke is a UNCC, UNC Charlotte uh, freshman who is majoring in mechanical engineering and racing in the USF4 series with no, zero, no prior racing experience whatsoever at the age of 19, which is why he's on this show. Yeah. You don't meet many young uh, 19-year-olds who are racing in a series like USF4, which is the first step in the road to Indy Ladder, for those who don't know, without any prior racing experience. And Tyke has really kind of gotten a very unique opportunity here. And I want to talk about um, your team owner, because you were telling me this story earlier about kind of how, um, you know, you applied to all these, you know, teams asking for an opportunity. And bear in mind, if you're listening to this, bear in mind, this is a paid opportunity, okay, that, you know, somebody was going to write the team a check for this, and a pretty sizable one, too. Yes. But talk about, you know, the process and the reaction that you got. So after the Skip Barber schools and after, you know, kind of learning the basics and wanting to, figuring out that I wanted to do this, uh, basically I was blind emailing team owners trying to figure something out. Um, I think at one point I emailed Gustavo Yakiman, the head of the Academy Winter Series that we talked about earlier, uh-huh. and I said, hey, I'm, you know, Tyke Durst, uh, I'm 19, and I want to race. I've done a few Skip Harbor schools. That's it. <laughs> and he said, okay, uh, cool. Not a lot of racing experience, but we'll work with it. And he said, <laughs> uh, here's Ernie Ganella's, uh email. Email him. Get some testing set up, see what happens. Now, Ernie is the team owner for yes. the TV driving for now. Ernie Ganella. Okay. And that is Ganella Racing. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then Ernie was one of the only team owners to ever like email me back. Uh, I think a lot of them just threw my email in the trash or whatever. Uh, yeah. So... Because <laughs> so, you yeah, didn't have any experience, back. so yes. they, they, you know, they didn't even want to talk to you. Yeah. So... Mr. Ganella was nice enough to give you an opportunity. And what was crazy about it was Ernie was packing to uh, my current teammate, Artie Flores, was going down to race in the Mexican Grand Prix with okay. F1. Uh, not like with F1, but with the F4 series that was supporting F1. Okay. So he was going to a big race uh, for one of my teammates. Yeah. And he basically says, I'm packing right now. We'll talk when I get back. <laughs> okay. And so, But he responded. Yes. That says a lot about him. And then we called... Set up a test at uh, Homestead on December 10th of 2021, and here we are. Now, before you went to the test, did you know you had the opportunity, or was was the test an audition to see if you were ready for the opportunity to race USF4? Ooh, the test was definitely an audition. Okay. and yeah. So there was pressure. And what was crazy was, so I get there, you know, we do the seat fit, and I'm looking at the car next to me. And I had known Sebastian Weldon, uh, Dan Weldon's son, was yes. kind of like around with Ernie 
and you know his carting team is pretty related to our team. Oh wow! And so I go to a shop. We're doing the seat fitting just to make sure you know I know everything about the car. And the car next to me has the label Sebastian Weldon on it and has this wow. tiny little seat in it. Show up the next day. Sebastian Weldon is there testing for his first time in an F4 car and has a Netflix crew with him. Oh wow! Yes. Okay, so they were Netflix was was shooting yes. some sort of Netflix sub. Uh, obviously movie or show or yeah. whatever about was it about him or just about younger drivers in general i think it was more about sebastian weldon kind of his journey because okay. obviously there's a lot of history there yeah so yeah interesting okay so what was that like for you to sort of see all that and go <laughs> what am i getting myself into well sebastian weldon was an actually he's an amazing kid uh he's very fun me and him got along pretty well and yeah the first test i remember going out in the first session and uh my mechanic now carlos uh, was strapping me in, and he knew right from the getaway that I was going to be all nervous. I don't even remember what the first session was like. I just remember oh, wow. going out and being shaky. But yeah, worked through the day and eventually got down to a decent lap time. Uh, I think nowadays I could probably go quite a lot faster than that. Uh, but well, obviously, yeah. yeah, time in the car you've learned. Um, and so, what was the obviously? Mr. Ganella was happy enough to hire you, yeah. right? Um, and 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 I, you know, again for for those listening to this show, um, there are parts of racing. I mean, a lot of it at that level, it's pay to play. Yes. I mean, that's that's how this works. And so, fortunately, um, the resources were there for you to be able to do that, right? But yes, nonetheless, Tyke still had to show that he could handle the car. And, you know, wasn't going to likely be one of these people that's going to crash every race because that yeah. gets very expensive. And that would have eaten up uh, the budget pretty quickly for the seasons, right? So <laughs> um, so that's it's a real credit to you that you performed well enough for him to actually give you the shot. Now, you talk about your teammate, this Artie Flores. How much experience has he had Artie versus you? Yeah. Artie spent a lot of time. Well, I have two teammates. I have Artie and I have Tank. Uh, Carl Bennett. Oh, okay. Uh, Artie has spent a lot of, they both spent a lot of time karting. Uh, Artie actually, like, moved to the U.S. and was living by himself at, like, 14 and karting at Homestead. Uh, By himself? Yes, for a year. Wow. He was doing homeschool. It was all crazy. Wow. Um, Tank is from Thailand, and he did a lot of karting there. Uh, He was getting into some single-seater stuff before moving over here. This is his first year, like, competitively racing uh, single-seater as well. How old is Artie? Artie is seventeen. I want to say. And I think they're. Is... I think they're. Artie might be sixteen, and then no, Artie's seventeen because he had his birthday in May. Okay. And then Tank is seventeen as well. I think, and yeah. And you're nineteen. I'm nineteen. So yes. you, you are the <laughs> senior member of the team in age, yes, I'm but the with by far the least amount of racing experience. That yes. must be a weird sort of juxtaposition. Um, for you to have to, to to sort of process every once in a while, I feel like they're older brother because they're talking about you know doing stuff in high school, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you fools. <laughs> but yeah, it is a weird juxtaposition because what <laughs> what like they like it. up for and uh, yeah. you silly fools. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, it will, but see, that's, but again, that's fun, I would imagine, yeah. to sort of be in that situation. And I'm sure that you're learning plenty from them about, oh, yes. you know, are they good about kind of helping you and lifting you up like that? Or are they, because I mean, so, you know, some drivers don't really want the other teammate yeah. beating them, right? But how, how's, how's it work there? Me and Artie are really tight and me and Tank are too. Uh, but, you know, we're all, we're all on it together. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we go back to the after session, we'll all be in the trailer. We'll all be looking at all of our onboards, all of our data. Okay. You know, nothing is hidden from each other. And that's very important as a team. You don't want to be – because if you start hiding stuff from each other in, you know, a small team environment, it's going to get feisty. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we don't hide anything from each other. And, you know, if we see something that, like, in the data, like, oh, I'm carrying two kilometers more here – but I'm, or you are carrying more kilo, two kilometers more here in a different corner. You know, you kind of say, okay, well, if we combine that, we'll have a really good lap and we'll both be faster. So obviously, we look at each other's data and we figure out where each of us are faster or slower, and then we help each other out with that. And we say, okay, this might be what we're doing with the car here. That might be why I'm faster. So yeah. So I feel like you would be, since you're an engineering minded young man, I feel like the data part of it. Oh, yeah. Would be, I remember, you probably wouldn't even remember this movie. There's a movie called Short Circuit years ago. It was about a, a robot. And, and, you know, he would see a book and it's like, oh, input. And he could read the book at like 500 miles an hour. Um, so it was all about, you know, data. Yeah. And I feel like that would be really challenging for you to, you know, and fun for you to be able to deal with this. So I feel like open wheel mm -hmm. is kind of a nice part of the sport for you to be in because of that fact, because you get all that sort of nourishment yeah. from having to, to go through that all the time. Well, data can be productive. It can also be counterproductive. Uh, if you spend five hours looking at data, you're, you're not going to learn anything because yeah. you're just going to get obsessed over uh, one kilometer here. You're never going to be able to feel that in the right. car. Um, but, yeah, it can also be big help uh, when you're missing huge gaps. Um, I definitely wasn't looking at data in class today. <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, no. Uh, you're, you're, you're supposed to say you need to pay attention in class. Yes. That's called being a role model. Only Come on. That's your first buzzer of the show. Uh, um, but we'll let it slide. Okay, so um, so how's the season gone for you so far? Well, the season's gone decently. I haven't had the results I wanted, but we've learned certainly a lot. And we've done a few tests uh, through the season, and each of those tests have gone amazingly. Um, so we've gone so far through the season. We've gone to Nala Motorsports Park. New Orleans. We, yep, yep. Then we went to Road America and Elkhart Lake. Oh, love that track. Beautiful track, yeah. yes. Uh, and then we went to Mid-Ohio. Another nice course. I scored my first point there. Nice. And then... And New Jersey, uh, that's where we just went. Scored another point there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nala was interesting. My very first race in the F4 championship, I spun out in front of someone and took out their tire and I took out my nose. Mm. So the very first race was not a fun one. Um, but that's part of learning, right? Yes. I mean, you got to find the limits. And, and when you – I mean, there's a difference between going out and doing test laps yep. and then the mentality of understanding yes. this is the real thing. It's yes. like rehearsing for a play and then, you know, the curtain opens and there's this big audience there and all these people and you want to do well and you can't remember your first line. Yep. You know, it's that sort of a thing. And, and I think sometimes, you know – 
young folks like you can have almost unrealistic expectations out of the box of what you should be able to do, right? But that's all part of learning, man. Yeah, I think that's the biggest change I've had through this season is definitely my mentality. Uh, I remember going out in race two on, like, the opening lap and being like, do I belong here? Yeah. And then, you know, work on it, work on it, work on it. My mentality's changed so much. I know I belong here. I'm so confident in myself, uh, especially because of the changes I've made in my physical training. With time, it will come. Yes. Yes. And we're going to talk more with Tyke Durst when Lead Lap returns right after this. Howie was back on the track this weekend in Kansas. Uh, just a, a great kid and a, and a really, I think, talented young racer that just needs more time in the seat to get better. And uh, again, like I mentioned to type before the break, um, time really is uh, the way to uh, to get better. It's just more more seat time. So uh, welcome back to Lead Lap. We do have Tyke Durst in the studio and talking about his first season of F4. And uh, you mentioned your first race uh, didn't go so well. Had a bit of a, yeah. a shunt, as they say, <laughs> in your form of racing. Yeah. Um, but uh, it got be- it's gotten better over time, oh, yeah. right, with the races that you run. So um, where is your next race? Next race is very special to me because it's close to my house. It's at Virginia International Raceway. That gets a bell because that is my favorite road course in oh all of America. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely beautiful course. I did a little bit of testing. I did one day of testing there with Skip Barber. Uh, I I loved it. I definitely did not spin out uh, out Good of hog pen. <laughs> Good for you. Definitely didn't cut any grass. <laughs> um, but yeah, that track is a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get there with my team. And we'll we'll see what we can do there. I have really high hopes, and I think I can do really well. Now you run some races with. Um, the vintage SVRA group, yep. vintage race cars, and you run uh, also with the Trans Am series a little bit. Yes, sir. And it, and you guys also run one or two shows, I think, with with the IndyCar series. Yes, I mean, no, no, you're never on the same weekend with them. We are never on the same weekend with okay. IndyCar. USF Juniors is. Oh, okay. We, I thought F four was two, yeah. one or two, one or two shows. Twenty twenty one F four gets to or last year. They got to run uh, Coda. Coda with yeah. F1. But Oh, that's right. It was F1, not yep. IndyCar. Right. Okay. So are you guys doing that again? We are not doing that again. Oh, this that's too bad. I don't think so. Because that's such a cool opportunity. Yes. What's it like to race on the track with other cars? Because the tire compounds are oh, different. Yeah. It kind of mixes things up a bit. and you Hand get to. And brillies, yeah. So, yeah. So um, what's that like to be in that sort of a... Uh, and in that sort of company, because frankly, a lot of those guys, I mean, you got people like Scott Borchetta that run with the vintage racers. Yeah. Um, you know, Big Machine Records owns the NASCAR Xfinity team, big Nashville guy. Yeah. Um, you know, what's it like to be racing it with those other series? Well, at NALA, it was pretty interesting because a few times some of the Formula V cars, some of the old Formula V cars spilled oil on the track. Oops. So, <laughs> oh boy. Sometimes it got really slippery. It happened again in New Jersey, actually. Wow. Um, I think the time where I've noticed the biggest like grip changes was mid Ohio. I think, especially because we were running with okay. um, Trans Am, and we'll be running with Trans Am again at VIR and Coda. Uh, but Trans Am, obviously, that's a lot of rubber being laid down, and the track would just. Mid Ohio also has some like concrete patches, so it could have been the track, but 
there were some times where you'd go out and there's another session and be like, okay, wow, the track has changed a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, and I know I love VIR because of that that it is a triple header. It's it's oh, you yeah. guys in the in the vintage cars and uh, Trans Am. First time that I went to was last year, and I I wouldn't miss it now. I just think it's yeah. an amazing yeah, it's an amazing weekend. Um, so talk about what you think your greatest challenge is right now with with learning. Like what is the the one part of your driving that you're trying to work most upon right now? Should close the season well. Definitely a mental game. Uh, just, like, trying to keep my emotions very in check. I mean, in the car, it's like you cannot have any emotions at all. Yep. Uh, obviously, that's impossible. Um, but you got to limit it. you got to focus on what you're doing at that moment, which is driving a race car. Okay, you're driving a race car. What's in front of you? Another car. How are you going to pass that car? Figure that out. Go for it. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So, what describe what you're kind of i mean do you do you get angry do you get do you get nervous do you get what is the what are you trying to overcome in terms of emotion what do you feel like is kind of your limiting part right now well doubt is definitely part of it for me uh just because i've started you know i'm so young uh yeah. in racing terms i'm 20 minutes old as you say <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh you're not even so one yet honestly that's a big one yeah. um that and also just like if you're not doing well, it's very easy to become emotionally charged and go and get angry and get, you know, why am I here? Like, why am I at the back? I need to yeah. go faster. And then all you can think is, I need to go faster, I need to go faster, I need to go faster. And it becomes overwhelming to the point where you're overdriving or exactly. you're doing something yes. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're not focusing on being smooth, which, yep. which you know, and hitting your marks, which is what makes you fast to begin yes, with. Very yeah. Much so. So, and I can understand all that, but I wanted you to explain it because, again, we got people in the audience who've never raced. Yeah. So, what do you go through? And and I think that's it. It's got to be the same as you know your first high school game at quarterback or whatever. It's a different level than practice. Yes. It's just so. people are watching, and you want to do well, and you throw <laughs> an interception, and you know, um, and the coach yells at you or whatever. You know, yep. how is the team management? It reacted to your first season what are they saying to you i mean they think it's gone great uh compared to what they've seen in the past uh they think we'll have a better year next year definitely sure um because we're just we're in there we're developing and we're learning right now and if we keep this up we'll be golden for next year is kind of the, the view so what do you do off the track to prepare to be better on the track so when this summer i was at my house uh in raleigh I could sim a lot. I could work out a lot. Um, so I was doing that quite a bit. Like I'd wake up, go run, uh, get back to my house, and I'd run two and a half, three miles every day, you know, keep the cardio in check. And then I would go hit the sim and, you know, maybe go hang out with my friends, eat lunch, make sure I was eating right, uh, kind of midday if I wasn't on the sim. And then I'd probably go work out with my friends. And then at night I would either play video games, you know, relax a little bit, and then before I went to bed, I'd make sure I get a good block of sim time in. Uh, that was like an hour a day, basically. Wow. Okay. And, so yeah. you were doing all of that. Now that you're here at school, how yes. has all that changed? Because you, how do you how do you sort of balance the school responsibilities with yeah with that? So obviously, school kind of comes first in a way. Yes. I mean, I'm always thinking about racing. Dang. So, dang it. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'll go to class. But I'll make sure to find a block of 
I really like to get my, like, physical fitness to me is really important. So I'm always at the gym with one of my friends, and we always have a blast there. I love working out right now. Like, the gym at UNCC is so nice. So cool. Very fun to do that. And then if I have free time, uh, obviously being an engineering student, I have a lot of homework, and that comes first. Um, but if I have free time, I will be reading a book about racing probably. Oh, nice. So I recently, uh, right before I left, I got Senna's book. Oh, have yes. you seen the movie? I had a long, uh, a few years ago. Yeah, you need to watch it again. Yes, I need now to watch it Now that you're again. actually driving, I, it will I mean something completely different to you. Yes. Ayrton was the classic checkers or wreckers kind of driver. Yes. <laughs> he did not have, um, you know, they, they teach you to develop a first, second, and third gear in your head. So yep. third gear is full out, full bore, pushing the car. If you're in a long endurance race or you've got a huge lead, sometimes you want to slow down just a second, bit, yeah. right? And he didn't have that gear. He only had one gear. And so there's there's a classic, and it's in the movie, when he wrecked at Monaco. Yeah. He had like a 59-second lead, lead yeah. over his teammate and then, you know, the rest of the field. But, see... They asked him to slow down, and, and when he did, it, it took him out no. of that rhythm, and, slow down, and yeah. he crashed it, and he was very frustrated by that. And so I think there's some lessons to be learned there about being a complete driver with all of the mental tools. Yeah. I don't think Ayrton was the complete driver, but he surely was a gifted one. What's funny is in his book, he kind of counters that, and he's talking, he doesn't like, I think he did drive like that. Uh, but in his book, he talks about, like, sometimes you do have to slow – or, like, you're going, you know, 95% during a race. Yeah. But I I don't really trust him on that because he, he would – and some – in some races, yeah. he would be 99 the whole he time. Was, he was very checkers or wreckers yes. oriented. He was very much one gear. And um, and that that hurt him in some ways, too, yeah. because he really thought that's how everybody ought to be, right? <laughs> and so, you know, but he was just one of those once-in-a-generation kind of guys and, yeah. and uh, just a remarkable career. But, yeah, the, the movie would be, and, and if you're listening to this, um, you can get the movie. The last I knew it was still on Netflix. It's probably on YouTube by now or somewhere um amazon yeah. or somewhere but um or just order it and and have a copy of it if it's if it's available it's, it's subtitled so you gotta you gotta stand close because the subtitles are in like two font but um <laughs> but uh it's a great movie and the footage is actual onboard footage it's not a yes. you know we can get actors and recreate it's the actual uh, footage it's unbelievable for for being the time period it was in the footage they have is incredible it is incredible yes. yeah i highly recommend that movie to everybody who's into racing of any kind um because it's just uh just one of the most um, amazing so you mentioned that you'd be reading about yeah. racing what else do you do like to do is do you have any other hobbies when you're not on the track oh uh yeah actually this weekend i was surfing behind a boat i love to wake surf that is one of my biggest hobbies outside of racing Okay, so I was about to ask how else do you surf besides yeah. behind a boat, but you obviously don't need a boat to surf, so <laughs> nah. my brain caught up to that one before I spit it out and looked dumb. Um, so uh, you you they call that wake surfing? Wake surfing, yes. Is that preferable to you than just regular surfing, like just going out and riding the waves? Um, regular surfing, you obviously have to go to a beach for. I mean, we're in North Carolina, so it's not that hard, but uh, on a behind a boat, you have an endless wave, right? Yeah, so it's a lake. So you just have like... Yeah. 30 minutes to spend behind right. a board and yep. carve all you want. Whereas 
and the ocean, especially in North Carolina, you get like 10 seconds, and then you're waiting 15 minutes. <laughs> so it's a long wait and, you know, catch, you know, don't catch. Uh, but that can actually be really enjoyable because when you do get a wave, you, like, really feel it, and you, like, you feel very in touch with nature because it's like you're harvesting the energy of the world, you know, or yeah. all that. So Yeah, well, and, and I imagine the adrenaline is sort of a yeah. racing. It's kind of that sort of yeah. thing, right? Just There's no adrenaline in surfing. No? Really? No. It's very calming? Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more with Tyke about a very special cause that he races for. Stay with us on League Lap right after this. I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Welcome back to Lead Lap. We have Tyke Durst in the studio with us, a USF4 driver who is a UNC Charlotte freshman, majoring in mechanical engineering, and Tyke races for a very special cause that uh, I want to make sure we talk about here for a couple of minutes and, and uh, hopefully get some of you kind of migrating toward that. So yes, talk about your cause, Tyke. So I'm... Very thankful to be partnered up with Drive Towards a Cure. Uh, we are a Parkinson's research organization. We basically, we do rallies, we do giveaways. So these rallies are basically you pay and you get to go on, you know, mountain roads in California and you get to go to all these vineyards and you get to do all the fun stuff in California. And while you're doing it, you're supporting Parkinson's research and patient treatment. So it's very amazing. So how does one connect to the other? So you're doing these cool drives, yeah. um, but you're supporting the research. How does that come together? So basically, uh, a portion of that money goes towards the Michael J. Fox uh, Foundation and obviously ah, supports Parkinson's okay. research. Yep. And and this is money. Do you have to pay to do the ride? Is that how yeah. that Okay, I see. So it's basically part of the entry fee. Yes. I see. Okay. And so is Parkinson's... Is there some sort of um, reason you chose that as opposed to some other cause? So it was a personal connection I made through high school. Uh, one of my high school teachers was great friends with Deb Pollock, and Deb Pollock runs it. Uh, so there was a connection there, and I was just like, I don't have anything on the car right now. I might as well help someone. Uh, and obviously, if we can help someone achieve their goals and end a horrible disease, then let's do it because we should do that. Yes, uh, yeah. I agree. And uh, what is the website for them? Is it drive? Yes, it's drivetowardsacure.org. Drive towards a cure. Yes. Drive towards a cure dot org. Everybody should go there and check that out. Um, my mom had Parkinson's. Yeah. And now she she passed away in February from pneumonia. But um, you know, having kind of been through that with her. Um, I am so excited to now know that there's an organization out yep. there I can we need to cure that. It's a very debilitating thing. Yeah. Um and it's certainly um the, you know, I don't wish it on anyone. Yeah. And so um that's a great cause. Drive towards a cure yep. dot com. We've, okay. raised, we've raised over a million dollars since twenty sixteen and we're That's getting a bill. Yeah. Uh, that's great, and um, you know that I I will uh, definitely make sure we continue to promote that. Um, so, all right, so you're, you've got a couple races left this year. Now, next year, I'm assuming your goal would be to repeat. Yes, my goal next year is to 
come top three in the championship. Yeah, that but back in F four is what yes. I was. Yeah, okay. So you're you're coming and and uh, to finish uh, in the top three in the series. What do you think it's going to take from you in order for you to be able to reach that goal? I think if I continue to put in the effort I put in right now, we'll be fine. I think it's just at this point I need to get really into the car, uh, you know, learn it and drive it to the best of its abilities, and we'll be there. So it's just kind of like seat time at this point, I think, is what we need. Because physically and mentally, I'm ready to win that championship. So who would you like to thank for helping you out with all of this? Uh, Mainly my parents. (laughs) Uh, They've been, you know, great. They've helped me realize what an opportunity I have here. And, you know, also the team. Ernie Ganella is absolutely fantastic for letting me do this. And my mechanic, Carlos, uh, great guys. So, yeah. Okay. So we've uh, got a few minutes left. We're going to do some rapid fire. All right. This is always uh, a fun time for us. First answer that comes to mind for each of the following questions. Yes, sir. Here we go. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, I don't know. I was watching Roger Penske's interview last night about leadership, and he said effort equals results. So, Ooh, I yeah. like that. Okay. Which words or phrases do you most overuse classic i like if something is like if something happens and it's like oh that's classic like that would happen that's i say that a lot okay so um let's see uh if you were to die and come back as a person or a thing what do you think it would be what would you like it to be i would like to come back as a dog (laughs) why easy Get petted all day, get to sleep all day. Easy. <laughs> Dog's life. Okay. Yes. I like that. Okay. Um, pepperoni or, or, I'm sorry, no, 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 pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? I personally, I get why people say pineapple. Like, I understand it, but no pineapple for me, please. That, that gets a bell. Um, okay. So, um, if there was a sandwich named after you, what would be on the sandwich? Uh, beef, chicken, and lettuce. I don't know. <laughs> oh, nice. What kind of bread? Uh, wheat. Okay. Very good. Um, what do you value most in your friends? What do I value most in my friends? Uh, loyalty. And loyalty. Like, okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, when you think about success, who comes to mind and why? Uh... Dixon popped into my head. Just Scott Dixon. He's won so many championships, yes. Interesting. Okay. Although, he's a little bit cursed, too, at the 500. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he wins championships. Yes. So, I think the 500, uh, that, well, he's won. Yes. No, he's never won it. So, okay. So, uh, let's see. Um, what's one bad habit that you'd like to get rid of? Um, it's something I've worked a lot on, but I still go on my phone a little bit too much. Okay. Speaking of the phone. Yeah. If you could keep only three apps for your smartphone, now the text and phone ones don't count because they kind of, that's basic. Yeah. If you could keep three apps, what three are you keeping? Instagram. Okay. That's the very first thing that comes to mind. Uh, This is going to sound bad. I'm going to say another social media platform, Snapchat, because Snapchat is such a big thing with my generation. Okay. Uh, It's like what we use a lot to communicate. Okay. Um, And then. Probably the alarm, because my phone is my alarm. And well, that's I... basic. Oh, Give okay. us another one. Everybody I'd, ha- I'd have to like look at my phone. Oh. 
So you obviously don't overdo the socials. No. Okay. So Instagram, Snapchat, and yeah. to be determined. Yes. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll get the third one the next time you come on. Okay. Um, what is something you like that most people don't? Something I like that most people don't. Um, I don't know. My family doesn't like cats, but I kind of like cats. Wrong answer. I'm, I'm sorry, cat people. <laughs> you were, I liked you better when you said I want to come back as a dog. Um, okay, what characteristic are you most known for? Um, well, you keep saying it. I'm going to say my personality. I don't know. Yeah, well, that, I, would, uh, I would figure that because you definitely have one. Okay, and last question. Uh, what book belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Um, Can't Hurt Me by David Gawkins. Okay, quickly explain what, why. So David Gawkins is like... He's kind of like a big dedication guy. Okay. Uh, he was a former Navy SEAL, but like in SEAL training, broke his legs three times while running. Ooh. Yeah. Read but the he book. kept going. So he's big into self-help and all that. So, yeah. Tyke, thanks for being on. We enjoyed it. See you next week. You've been listening to The Lead Lap Show, home to Southeast Motorsports coverage on the radio. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Lead Lab Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And visit leadlabshow.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of the Lead Lab Show. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of the Lead Lab Show. Thank you for listening.